This episode is a continuation of the last one where we were talking openly about the dangerous thinking patterns regarding missions and how that manifests. So last time we talked a lot about how that manifests personally in our lives. In this episode, we'll be talking about how this affects people around us, how our wrong thinking can affect the people around us. Exactly. So another wrong thinking issue that can cause problems is that I can link pleasing God or quote-unquote redeeming myself somehow in God's eyes to a meaningful to a meaningful program, to an organization, to a church, to a particular disciple or group of people. Mm-hmm. What happens next if this person, this group of people, this organization, whatever the goal is, if it falters, then I can become prone to manipulating people, trying to coerce them to do what needs to be done so that success that I value and desire in their lives or their organization can be achieved. That's right. Not only do I hurt others, I myself end up becoming someone who manipulates and uses people <laughs> because I need those, that, that church to succeed. I need that disciple to grow in order to please God, to, yeah, whatever. It's putting the mission before the people. It's putting it too much. We talked last time about it being an idol because it is more important and God himself, and the people around you. And as Vicki was talking, I can't help but think there's so, we've seen this so much on the mission field where someone has the mission first and they are in charge. Maybe they're the veterans. Maybe they've been there the longest. And why are they the ones doing the manipulating, the crushing? That's because we've put the mission before the basic commands of the Bible about loving one another and showing grace to one another. And so, as Vicki was talking, I think we laugh because we think, boy, this sounds like the mission field where the old timers come in too hard and drive other people. Yes, it's really, really dangerous. Right. Um, You know, I can overwork or place my emotional, spiritual, physical health, or even my family's at risk because the success of this program, of this church plant, or this This work... person. Right. This disciple that I write about in our letters. every effort. And it all began with what we talked about in the last podcast of I've got to do this before God. I've got... Everything's on the line here. My approval... And it's not just me. It's... This is in my newsletter. This is what everyone has to see. I mean, I've, I'm setting myself up with goals that, if you think about it in missions, they're often dependent upon God to work. What could be more dangerous than to say, I've got to succeed at something? Yeah, you can succeed at learning a language. And yes, you can succeed at translating something or producing some material, but you can't produce spiritual fruit. No, you can't. And so you can produce some of the appearance of some spiritual fruit. Right. You can get people into chairs in a place, or you can meet with someone, but you actually can't create spiritual growth. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. And so an example, a man who is driven to achieve a mission or a goal on the field, and we've seen it too many times, can neglect his family, the very disciples that God has already given him. Or maybe a mother, a wife can do the same thing. 
so much that we've actually heard young people and a teenager confess, you know, sometimes I wish I was from this country. I wish I was part of this people group. Then my father would actually want to spend time with me. You know, what a sad thing to hear from a missionary kid. And what is that? It's actually not, we have heard that more than once. Right. Like how did, what was the hardest thing about you being on the mission field? You talked to these MKs was I knew I was second. I knew that my dad's attention, my mom and the goal, the mission was first. And you think, why is that so unique on the mission field? And we've already talked about it because it's the ultimate goal, the ultimate calling. I'm on the line. God's watching and I've got to produce this or the mission is on the line or my church is expecting me to do this amazing thing. And that's how other people get in the way, I guess you could say. Um, Yeah, we were reading the other day in uh, Mark, Mark 7, I think, yeah, 9 through 13, about Jesus' teaching on over-spiritualizing certain dictates of man to the exclusion of clear commands. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think I'll read it. Hang on a second. And Jesus said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Let's see. Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is actually korban. It's given to God. You no longer permit that man to do nothing for his mother to do anything for his mother or father, thus making void the word of God by your tradition you hand it down. Yeah. Many of you do this. And this is the classic case of spiritualizing uh, the mission, you know, or basically finding some honorable excuse to ignore or neglect your clear command of taking care of your children. And in this case, it was honoring your mother and father or your spouse. and Or even taking care of yourself would qualify. Taking care of... You're right, yourself. Just forgetting that you're human and you have needs, social needs, personal needs, physical needs. Um, and obviously sometimes there are things that happen we cannot control and, and we don't choose. But this is... We're talking about the conscious choices. Yeah, that scripture was about the conscious choice mm-hmm. of... of the Pharisees saying, no, I don't have to give this to my mom and dad. Sorry, because it's dedicated to God. And I think about that with, you know, you, you have a child and you need to love that child and spend time with that child. But if you say, no, I'm sorry, you can't have my time. That time is committed to God. And so why is this so in, so common on the mission field? Because that mission is the ultimate I guess, commitment. I mean, this can happen, obviously, within churches right here in the Well, it's people linking their commitment to God with the work that God has called them to do. Mm -hmm. And then other things. It's just getting it out of order. It's that whole concept of disordered loves. That's right. If the ministry or the disciple becomes the, the top goal, the first goal, the top priority, then the people around us, whether it's our families our, our spouse, our children, our teammates can start to be seen as hindrances. They frustrate our goals. 
they get in the way. They, this can make us irritable, it can make us driven, and it can make us really prone to bad decisions. I, we've talked to so many. We, we are making trips overseas even now to talk to workers. And, 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 you know, I sit there and we've been talking for an hour and I said, you know, you haven't even told me anything about um, the local people you're engaging and the friendships that you're developing. All you've been talking about is these team problems. And all you've been talking about is your team leader. And you think, what is going on in this? And it seems like eight times out of 10, there is a conflict between sort of humanity, the problem that being a family, being human, being not 100% on the mission, someone in the team, someone in your family is not totally on mission and a conflict or on your team or, or yeah, not producing or not as committed. Um, where's the conflict? Well, I need, you know, I want to go visit, you know, my dad's got cancer and I want to go back. Oh, I can't, won't, it will affect the mission. Um, needing a little, needing some breaks, needing a little time off or whatever it is. And you, you see this keep coming up if this is the first goal. Is it important to have goals? I mean, let me just tell you all, we're not just talking about just sitting around and relaxing. I mean, learning a foreign language requires tons of discipline, tons of work. And for us, gallons and gallons of drinking tea and spending lots of time with people. So you do have goals and there's things you have to set if you're going to achieve them. Everything in life is that way. I once read, nothing is achieved without discipline. So we're not, we're not saying just go over there and chill and don't have any goals. But keyword in life, balance. And when you see a conflict, when you see a team conflict or a marriage conflict on the mission field, Often it is related to this misordered goals or loves, I guess you could say. Yes, we've definitely seen that in marriages where one spouse is super exhilarated and um, loving where they loving are, loving where they are, and wanting to spend more and more, actually spending an inordinate amount of time doing mission work per se and mm -hmm. but they're neglecting the other spouse who, who spouse who's maybe suffering and there's the choice and we'll talk more about that in my we're going to do more of a time for us to give our personal story and we can do great damage to the actual work the people we're trying to help if we once again we're being driven incorrectly and we use them to achieve our success isn't that a common problem on the field? We actually had people in the country we were serving said, what's driving y'all? Are y'all going to like get extra money if you make a disciple? Or do you get a raise if you <laughs> baptize people or plant a church? What a horrible thing to say. But they're observing that drivenness and they're trying, they're coming up with like, we don't get it. Um, what's pushing that so hard? Well, and people do feel I mean, I know that I personally have, I know when I am someone's project. Yeah. I know that. And the people in the countries where we go, they know that too. They know they when know we're when using them. That's right. And they know, and sometimes they find out, of course, you're, you're being paid to do this. You're writing a newsletter. Many of them are aware that you're needing to show accountability for your work. 
I mean, we have seen this in both families and in single people. So this is not no, just only those who have children or right. who are married. This is everyone, the temptation. But the people are being manipulated. And we should be a living example of what a lifestyle should look like there as opposed to this super high-driven um, person who has the mission first. I mean, that's not a good example of the people we're trying to, you know, we're trying to leave and empower them to reach their own people. So and not only does a local person, they're manipulated by a missionary, perhaps, right. that is dealing with this issue, but also that missionary is setting forth an example that validates using manipulation to coerce others. And they start doing the same thing. So, okay, let me give an example. Let's say that we use guilt or shame to convince a new believer to come to church. And our, our thinking in that is, well, it's good for him. It's so that, so that he can grow. Um, we, we, but we are putting pressure on that person. Mm -hmm. So this is, in effect, what we're saying. These are, this is how we're discipling that believer in, in different things. First of all, we are teaching that it's okay to use guilt if the goal is for the person's good. Mm. It's okay to shame if it's the goal is for the person's good. It's a subtle example of the ends justifying the means. Another thing we're teaching, the Holy Spirit is not strong enough to lead this person. I need to make sure that the person does what is good for himself or herself. Holy Spirit's not enough. Right. That that is that was something brought to us. They said, Do you I get the feeling you guys have just got to do this. You've got to create something. You've got to get something going. You're it's kinda of like driving down the highway and you've got a headlight out, you know, and you're ignoring it or your engine light is is just blinking at you and you've sort of put tape over it. This is this is something we've heard. And they're saying, What's going on? What's why is your foot on the pedal? And often you think about a missionary, they have got to prove something. They have to achieve something. They do have newsletters and they also want to do it within a period of time because this is their career. They, there's a certain, I mean, you know, I've been here X number of years. I've got to show something. something. Because if you work for five years in most places of the world, you've got something to show for yourself, but, but you can work in certain parts of the world and work for 10 years and you look back and say, I have very little to show because of this particular people group might be very, very hard or the language or so many setbacks. You can get desperate to you see can, results. Can, yes. So you're, so let's say again, back to that, you've yeah. done the, you've used shame or manipulation to get a person mm -hmm. to come to church. Another thing you're modeling for them is that this person, this people group, are not true adults capable of making decisions before God under the guidance and leading of the Holy Spirit, which Scripture says is given to all who believe. Exactly. They need me to make their decisions, is right. what you're teaching them. Mm. And later, when they teach others, they will do the same thing to them. Yeah. As someone older in Christ, they're... Part of the, what you're modeling for them is I'm assuming authority and direction over them. I, not God, am responsible for decisions and growth. And that is 
so unhealthy. Very destructive. It's easy for us to think that way about people that may not have the same education level or who may have different a different culture or it's a paternalistic it, way. It of is looking. a very paternalistic way of but, looking. But this is where your theology is coming in. Are these really yours? No, they never were your converts or believers. Um, then how is this going to keep on going? Well, it, it can't be you and your manipulation. And so this, where does but, but all this... But you're teaching them to do that. And so right. you, look at, you look at certain churches in certain regions, and they are doing the things that the missionaries did to them. Right. Which can be very sad. So uh, my theology ends up affecting a whole group of people, my thinking. And so what we're saying is this drivenness that's in you affects those around you. Um, we, we will talk uh, in another podcast, hopefully this next one, about how this affected us in our own marriage. Because nothing, you know, that is, people say, why do we do marriage mentoring and training with people going? Because that seems to be for families, the key relationship to stay healthy on the field. Um, if your spouse is able to speak truth in, to, to one another, if they're in a healthy place talking and being able to call each other on these things and caring for one another and not manipulating, um, then you've got a good solid team. But if it's not there and someone is just driving and pushing the other, using shame, using guilt, Mm-hmm. Then it's going to affect the marriage. Well, it's obviously going to affect the children, and it's, it's going to affect, going to affect the, the people that you're discipling, the ministry. This kind of manipulative and destructive behavior—it all started because of incorrect thinking. Right at the beginning. Right at the beginning of needing this thing to be a success. That's it. In order to prove something or win favor with God. That's right. Well, we. Stay tuned next time, and we'll tell you more of how we personally live this out. Exactly. Thanks for listening today. Our book, Mission Smart, 15 Critical Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas, is available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Feel free to email us with your questions through our website, esionline.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to get more episodes as they're published.